Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Three years ago, on 23rd of February 2017, a van was driving along Ayaraja Expressway near the Clementi Road exit when it crashed onto the concrete barriers that separated the expressway from some roadworks. The driver escaped with minimal injuries, but his two passengers were not so fortunate. His front passenger injured her head and body on the dashboard. The other passenger at the back of the van, unfortunately, was flung out of the van onto the road suffering traumatic brain injury, as well as skull and facial fractures. Accidents happen all the time. Why bring up this particular accident? Well, for three reasons that relate in some way to this morning's message. One, the reason for the accident. Why this accident happened was not because it was raining heavily, or that the road was slippery, or that another vehicle had suddenly cut in front of this van, causing it to veer into the barriers. None of these. It happened because the driver had fallen asleep at the wheel. Secondly, it happened at 3 p.m. in the afternoon in broad daylight, not at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night. That was not the time to sleep. And finally, the driver who fell asleep at the wheel was actually a police officer driving a police van on a mission. Falling asleep at the wheel while on a mission with disastrous consequences. This story is not told to point fingers at anyone, but for us to recognize that what happened can actually happen to any one of us. This morning, as we look into God's Word, that's exactly the warning He gives to us. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Stay sharp. This morning, different ones of you will come with different hearts. Some are anxious, worried, fearful, discouraged, perhaps tired out by the pandemic situation. I believe God has a word for us today. God reminds us we're on a mission. Stay alert. Be on your guard. Stay sharp. Don't fall asleep. Before we carry on, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You are a good, good God. Thank You for another week that has passed. We come this morning before Your throne of grace and we continue to bring before You the COVID-19 situation. We are grateful that the numbers continue to be low in our nation. We thank You for our valiant leaders, for the border controls and the healthcare staff that continue to stay alert and keep us safe. Yet we know the situation is not improving in many parts of the world. We intercede now for US, for Europe, South America, India, and the nations of our region, Indonesia, Malaysia, Indochina, Philippines, and Australia. We ask for your mercy over our nation and these lands. Would you bring healing to those infected with the disease? Would you strengthen and encourage the healthcare givers and bring a faster resolution to this pandemic? In the meanwhile, Lord, would you keep us as your church alert, awake, sharp to the task that you've given to us? Let us look forward to your son's return. For we ask this in his name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit. We are preaching through the Gospel of Mark this year and we are coming to a close of this Gospel. Over the next few chapters, Jesus will be trout, crucified and his disciples scattered. Things do not look good. As mentioned earlier, different ones of you will come with different hearts as we come to a close of 2020. Some are anxious, discouraged, tired, and still others perhaps in a state of blah. 
I believe God has a word for you. Don't tune out. This morning's message will be heavy in terms of substance. We're going to cover quite a bit of ground. It's like having a big meal, a big breakfast, if you would like it. So be ready for a full meal uh, this morning. We've always begun with the context. What's the setting for this morning's message? Right at the start, in Mark chapter 13, verse 1, it tells us this, and he came out of the temple. Jesus is done with the temple. Two key things has happened just before this. In chapter 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem as a king, but the religious leaders refused to recognize him as such. The parable of the fig tree revealed Israel's religion was fake and judged so by God. And then in chapter 12, Jesus was in the temple where he was challenged by the religious leaders. He bested all of them, showing their empty faith and poor theology. Now he leaves the temple. Do you see the movement? He comes to the temple, he's in the temple, now he leaves the temple. That leaving is significant. It's God's way of saying, gone case, finish, I'm done with you. Very, very sad. Yet the disciples, they still do not get it. And they are caught up with the externals, the grandeur of the building. They say, look teacher, what wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings. And who can blame them? Those of you who have been to uh, countries and on site to see magnificent structures like the Eiffel Tower in Paris, like the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, or perhaps the Sistine Chapel in Rome would understand the disciples' awe at the temple. After all, Herod's magnificent temple rose to a height of 50 meters, was a visual collage of gold, silver, crimson, purple, radiating the sun like a snow-clad mountain, so says one commentator. It was truly a wonder of the ancient world. Yet Jesus says of the temple, there will not be left one stone upon another. These words of Jesus happened within 40 years, a generation, even as Jesus spoke. You see, in AD 70, Caesar ordered Jerusalem and the temple to be razed to the ground. And in the words of Josephus, the historian, to leave future visitors no grounds for believing it had ever been inhabited. From, wow, look, to, where is it? When the disciples heard this, their worlds must have been turned upside down. Why? Because the temple was the center of their whole religious world. What would Judaism be if there's no temple? Imagine their feelings, their whole world turned upside down, confused, fearful, scared, anxious. Perhaps like what many of us might be feeling right now, because our worlds have been turned upside down by the pandemic. Into this situation, four of his disciples, the closer ones, Peter, James, John and Andrew plucked up courage and they asked Jesus, when will these things happen? Instead of answering them when, Jesus tells them, stay sharp, be alert, be on your guard. What ties this whole chapter together, the whole of chapter 13, is in this common refrain. We see in verse 9, verse 23 and verse 33, be on your guard, be on guard, be on guard. In the midst of the pandemic, most of us want to stay safe, and that's right. But Jesus tells us today to also stay sharp. That's why we've entitled this morning's message, Stay Sharp. Jesus tells us three key things today. One, stay sharp because tough times are coming, but the Holy Spirit will help you. Stay sharp because the tribulation is coming, but God will sustain you. And finally, stay sharp. Jesus is coming and He will save you. Let's look at the first, stay sharp. 
Tough times are coming, but the Holy Spirit will help you. And for that, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 13, and we'll read from verse 4 all the way to verse 13. So Mark chapter 13, verse 4 to 13. Allow me to read this text. And this is what it says. Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Verse 8, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, But be on guard. See, that's the word there. Be on guard. Stay alert. For they will deliver you to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be safe. It starts with more bad news. It begins with at least four kinds of trouble. False messiahs, wars, rumours of wars, natural calamities, and persecution for our faith. Allow me to say three things about these tough times. First, these tough times are only the beginning of birth pangs. They do not signal the end. See, human beings have been at war with each other since the fall of man. Natural disasters have always been present. The disciples were persecuted as Jesus prophesied. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 1, this is what it says. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So likewise, the church of Jesus Christ is suffering persecution to this day in many countries unfriendly to our faith. Some researchers comment that there are probably more Christian martyrs in our century than all the previous ones added together. Likewise, when you consider the current pandemic, this is not our first, nor, if the Lord chooses so to delay, our last one. What you and I are experiencing is not the end. We are merely in the midst of the delivery. The good news, of course, is that trouble is not the end. You see, a woman undergoes birth pains to deliver a child. It would be horrible to be stuck in perpetual birth pains. And that, thankfully, is not the case. See? I believe our Lord has chosen His word very carefully. Birth pains leads to something happy. It leads to birth, new life. Yes, it starts with trouble, but in the end, it will be good. Apparently, this quote is attributed to John Lennon. He said, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Allow me to paraphrase that just a bit to say this. If it's not good, it's not the end. Because in the end, it will be good. And you and I, we can say that with confidence because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. That's the first thing. Secondly, there will be opportunities in the midst of the tough times. God has given you and I a mission. He has left His church on planet Earth to bear witness to the reality of the gospel. When people see weak, 
powerless people, transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ to love others, they awaken to the reality of the gospel. Now, most of us will not have access to people in high places. And yet, in times of persecution, and they will come, we will have the opportunity to fulfill God's mission for us, to testify to those in authority. Once again, what was intended for evil, God turns it around for His glory. As a matter of fact, it is in the midst of tough times the gospel gets preached to all the nations. We must stay alert and not fall asleep at the wheel. Friends, we're on a mission. 2020 has been a very tough year for all of us. I believe God can likewise use this as an opportunity to reach out to those we love who have yet to know Jesus this coming Christmas. That's what I'll be home for Christmas is all about. It's an opportunity for covenantals to build deeper relationships, hear that deeper relationships with those we love who've yet to know Jesus. And of course, if the occasion arrives, by all means, share the gospel. But we are called first to simply love people. We can do so by blessing them with a simple meal together, hear each other's challenges and blessings of 2020. You see, friends, God can turn these tough times into His opportunities. Don't waste this pandemic. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit will help us in these tough times. Look at what it says in verse 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. You see, God promises never to leave us or forsake us. It is in those darkest moments when we feel alone, we are never truly alone. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, is there to guide us and to lead us. Some of you may be feeling that weight upon you right now. You feel overwhelmed, alone, fearful, weighed down, stuck. Call out to the Lord. Call out to the Holy Spirit. Call out to Jesus. He is near to the brokenhearted. This is His promise to all who have trusted in Him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Stay sharp. Don't fall asleep at the wheel because tough times are coming. But the good news is this, the Holy Spirit will help you. Secondly, He tells His disciples to stay sharp. Why? Because the tribulation is coming. But God will sustain you. And for that, let's continue reading in Mark chapter 13, beginning from verse 14 all the way to 23. And this is what God's Word says. And when you see the abomination of desolation, standing where He ought not be, uh, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days, there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be safe. But for the sake of the elect whom He chose, He shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there He is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Verse 23, but be on guard. See that word again? Be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. In these verses, Jesus seemed to have moved from speaking about the destruction of the temple 
to something further in the future. I'm going to pause here briefly to share the paradigm for this passage. You see, Mark 13 is what many scholars call one of the hardest passages in the Gospel accounts because it contains many enigmatic statements and references that are, well, literally out of this world. So here's the paradigm. Some people see that Mark 13 speaks only about matters concerning the destruction of the temple by the Romans in AD 70. It has no reference to any future event beyond that. Then there are those who see that Jesus was speaking primarily about the future, his return, and nothing to do with the destruction of the temple. The question you ask is, what about us in covenant? Well, for us as pastors, we see Mark 13 to have elements both about the destruction of the temple in AD 70 as well as further future events that portend Jesus' second coming. Jesus switches between speaking both the near future as well as the distant future. How do you know, you ask? Well, by the words of Jesus. So for example, for the near future, these words appear. And the words are these things. We see in verse 4. In Mark 13 verse 4, it says, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to be accomplished? And then look at verse 29 to 30. It says, So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So for us, these things refer to the near future of the destruction of the temple. Now, in this segment, in our current verses, we see the introduction of another term. And the words are, in those days. We see it in verses 17, 18, 20, 24, and 32. We'll show you these verses on the screen. I, I won't read through them. And the words, in those days, or that those days, will be highlighted for you so that you can see that this portion, uh, we believe Jesus is speaking about something in the future. So we're in a different time zone now. It's a future much further than the temple's destruction. And it concerns something called the abomination of desolation and the tribulation. The destruction of the temple is a pattern of the tribulation to come at the end days. Allow me to share three questions we must answer here. First question, are we in the last days? Many people ask. Yes, we are in the last days. Because the last days began 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says in Acts 2 verse 17, quoting the prophet Joel. This is what he says. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, the last days had already begun. My friends, we are ready in the last days. Therefore, we must stay sharp, because really we are in the final moments. Second question, what is this abomination of desolation and what's this tribulation all about? Firstly, the abomination of desolation is a term taken from the prophet Daniel and it is most likely a reference to the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 to 4 and this is what it reads, let no one deceive you in any way for in that day, uh, see the word again that day, uh, will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes the seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. In other words, there will come a time when you see such a person declaring himself to be Almighty Creator God. 
This would be the Antichrist himself. What about the tribulation? Now, this will be the most trying period on earth that we have ever faced. If you think times are tough now, well, the text tells us you ain't seen anything yet. You know, sometimes you wonder, why would the Lord allow such terrible suffering? Recently in the wake service, I mentioned that sometimes as Christians, we make too little of death. Why? Because we say, it's okay, there's no need to cry. Because there will be resurrection. Now, in some sense, that's true. I totally believe in the resurrection. But see, until unless we actually recognize the loss, the pain of that loss, that death is painful, not just to the one passing, but also to those who are left behind, we never fully appreciate what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Pain, trials, the tribulation, they bring us to that point of hopelessness and helplessness. A bottle of water means nothing to a person with a carton of coke. But that same bottle is priceless to a man dying of thirst in the desert. Until we reach that moment, all our theology is academic. Perhaps God allows this to happen in our life to drive us to that point of desperation. Because until we reach that point, we will never fully comprehend the gospel as truly good news. Thirdly, how do we survive the tribulation? And verse 20 gives us the answer. This is what it says. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being will be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. See friends, just as the Holy Spirit helps us in the tough times, so now God himself knows how to sustain us through the tribulation. In some sense, this is similar to 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. And this is what it says. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. Listen, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, our Father God knows how much we can bear. and He will not allow us to go beyond what we can bear. This brings deep comfort to us in the midst of our trials and tribulation. He will sustain us through the tribulation. Stay sharp. The tribulation is coming, but the good news is this, God will sustain you. Friends, don't just stay safe, stay sharp, be alert, watchful, because tough times are coming, it's going to get worse. But we are grateful it doesn't end that way. There's truly light at the end of the tunnel. We are called to stay sharp because Jesus is coming again. This final segment is quite long, but it is well worth reading. So let's look at our Bibles in Mark chapter 13, and we read from verses 24 all the way to the end. There are three segments, and I'll tell you the bricks as they come along. In verse 24, it says, But in those days, huh? in those days again, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. That's the first part. Then in verse 28, he talks about a parable. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaf, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And in verse 32, the final part, 
he says this, but concerning that day, uh, he switches back to that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 33, be on guard, that word again, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servant in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he comes suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The disciples started off by asking, when? When will all these things happen? Jesus tells them, you won't know. That's why you must stay alert, stay sharp. Why? Because He's coming again. Here are three things we do know concerning Jesus' second coming. One, His second coming will be obvious. There will be many people claiming to be the true Messiah, like the founder of the Unification Church in Korea, or David Koresh, and so many others. You can go to Wikipedia for a whole list. But Jesus tells us His second and true coming will be irrefutable and unmistakable because it will be cosmological. There will be undeniable cosmic signs and we will all know it. That's number one. Number two, His second coming will be after the tribulation. In other words, after all that trouble and suffering, the ending will be good. Jesus will come again to save us. This life is not all there is. Remember, if it's not good, it's not the end. Because in the end, it will be good. That's what gives you and I hope to press on in the midst of the storm because Jesus will come again to save us. And finally, no one knows when Jesus is coming. If someone says, I know for sure Jesus is coming back on Monday, 23rd November, 2020 or any other date, you can be quite sure it's not going to happen. These are false prophets. Therefore, we must keep watch. We must stay alert. Stay sharp. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. I remember 20 years ago when I was about to graduate from the Singapore Bible College. I was driving with Pastor Edmund Chan to a night meeting. Now, he knew I was about to graduate. So he asked me, Kai, what are you going to look forward to after your graduation? So I shared about what I thought I'd like to do in Covenant as a pastor. And I cheekily turned and asked him, what about you, Pastor Edmund? What do you look forward to? And I'll never forget his reply. Without blinking an eye, he simply said, I'm looking forward to the Lord's return. You know, sometimes we get cheeky with this thought and say we wish for Jesus to return the day before our major exams, isn't it? But how many of us really long for his return? That's something we should ponder. Perhaps that reveals a lot more about what's on our heart. Do we truly look forward to the Lord's return? because He is coming back, whether we believe it or not, and at a time where we will not be expecting. And when He returns, will we be ready? Will we be sharp? We must stay sharp because tough times are coming. The tribulation is coming, and mostly because Jesus is coming soon. In the midst of all these, the Holy Spirit will help us, God will sustain us, and Jesus will save us in the end. Isn't that beautiful? Our triune God, God the Spirit, God the Father, God the Son is present with us to sustain us, to help us, to save us in the midst of all the trouble. How is your heart this morning? Is it anxious, fearful, tired, weary, discouraged? Call out to Him. 
He is near to the brokenhearted. Look out for Him because He is coming again. As we come to a close, we know God is calling us today to be alert, to stay sharp. But the question you ask is, Pastor, how do I practically stay alert? Is it to literally not sleep and stay awake? Verse 13 of Mark chapter 13. So 13, 13 gives us a hint. This is what it says. The one who endures to the end will be safe. Practically then, to stay sharp means simply two words. Be faithful. Be faithful. Allow me to illustrate with another true story that happened nine years ago. On March 11, 2011, an underwater earthquake erupted off the Pacific coast of Japan, triggering a tsunami that flooded more than 500 square kilometres of coastal land with waves up to 40 metres, travelling up to 10 kilometres inland. Over 20,000 people were dead or missing, and up to half a million people were forced to evacuate. The tidal waves also triggered a meltdown at the nuclear power plant in Fukushima. What many may not know was that a nuclear disaster was averted that day because of the faithfulness of one man, Masao Yoshida. He was the head of the atomic power plant then. You see, they had run out of fresh water to cool the plant because of the earthquake. And the orders given from his head office told him, don't use seawater. You see, because once you use seawater to cool the plant, the power plant will be totally destroyed. It can't be used ever again. Now, if he had not used seawater to cool the nuclear reactors, there might well have been a third atomic explosion in Japan that day. Together with his team of 49 engineers, they stayed on heroically while everyone else evacuated the facilities. And against orders from head office, they continued to pump in seawater. The subsequent findings of the Independent Investigation Commission pointed out that that action was probably the only reason the reactor cause did not explode. All because of the faithfulness of one man who kept his station and rallied his team to keep theirs. They were faithful to their calling, literally through the storm. How can we be on guard and stay sharp, my friends? By being faithful in the midst of the storm. Be faithful in your daily duties. Be faithful to love your families. Be faithful if you're a student to your studies, to your calling, to your vocation. Be faithful to look out for the signs of His coming because those who stay faithful to the end will be saved. Stay sharp because Jesus is coming again. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that our Lord Jesus was faithful to the end. Help us to likewise be on guard, to stay alert, to stay sharp, and to be faithful to the end. For those who are fearful, anxious, worried, discouraged, we thank you for your word to remind us that your Holy Spirit is there to help us, that you are there to sustain us, and that Jesus is coming again to save us. May we cry out to you, dear Lord. Hear our prayers. Keep us faithful to the end. Some of you hearing this message may not yet know Jesus personally as your Lord and Saviour. And if you want to do so, and we encourage you to because He's coming back soon and He'll make all things new. Trust Him. He keeps His promises. Would you pray this prayer? Dear Jesus, I need you. I confess I'm a sinner. I trust that you have given your life in exchange for mine. Come into my life, forgive my sins, make everything new. Friends, if you pray that prayer, 
We rejoice with you because God's Spirit now lives in you and you can begin this journey to know God as His child. Would you scan this QR code and let us know so that we can help you along this journey of knowing God. Thank you for being with us this morning for this big breakfast. We trust God has spoken to you through His Word. Here are two reflection questions. What was one thing God has spoken to you this morning? Why was that significant? Secondly, how can you stay sharp and be faithful to Jesus as you wait for His coming again? Allow me to close us with the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you, help you stay sharp, keep you alert and faithful for His Son's return and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you with a wonderful week ahead. Stay sharp and faithful. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.